0: for listening to series one of the media careers podcast we've had such amazing feedback and it's been brilliant to hear how the advice and guidance from our guests has supported and inspired you so much i also just wanted to flag the show notes to you again there are direct contact links to our guests within them as well as links to other companies and organizations who can support and guide you further so please don't forget to check those out as well and finally i have one small favor to ask you Please could you press a small button to either follow or subscribe to the podcast so we can reach even more people who can hear from these amazing media professionals. Thank you so much and I really hope you enjoy series two. Jasmine John started her career in the media industry at the Brit School in 2010. She studied creative media production before taking up a place at Ravensbourne University where she gained a degree in digital film production. After graduating in 2017, she has taken on a series of roles from working with the BFI Academy in Manchester through to gaining recognition as one to watch at the Edinburgh TV Festival this year. Determined to see more diversity in the industry, Jasmine has also set up an industry network called Black Women in Post-Production, and I can't wait to hear more about this. Jasmine, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, it's so lovely to see you today. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Now, before we started recording, we were talking about what is a tradition on this podcast of the first question, which is what you were like as a young person. And you were saying you you've had lots of thoughts about that. So it would be great if you could share them with us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as a child, I was very shy. I was very quiet and I was very introverted. But I loved school and I loved learning and I still do. I love learning new things. But I was the kid that begged to go to school, even if I was poorly. I was like, mum, I've got to go to school, I've got to learn. Um, <laughs> and my my favourite subject was English. My favourite hobby was reading. I was such a bookworm. I still am. And my favourite authors were Jacqueline Wilson and Mallory Blackman. Um, I remember Mallory came to the Brit school. She did like a book signing and I was so excited. I've still got the picture. I've still got the signed book. (laughs) But I've always loved stories and storytelling. So uh, when I was thinking about kind of answering this question, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me now that i have fallen in love with offline editing. Um, and the crafting of the narrative and storytelling but now it's very much putting pictures and sounds together from words you know the script and things amazing so, yeah
0: I love that I love that and and that you were a bookworm and then obviously love school because there aren't many people I don't think that can say they absolutely love school but it sounds as though you really did and, so, and were you academic you obviously love reading but would you have said you were academic as well that was part of the joy of school for you
1: yeah definitely I would say it was very academic and I can think when it came to like GCSEs it was more so of like I had I was putting pressure on myself to achieve because I just wanted to do a really good job um it, it wasn't any external pressure it's like I wanted to kind of meet my own expectations and do well as opposed to kind of you know mum putting pressure on me she never did no. um it was to me that's kind of just always been my intrinsic nature like I just want to do well.
0: Yeah it's almost like an internal drive that you can't switch exactly like a tap that's like keeping running and like you've got to keep going that's so interesting and did you were you aware of the media industry at all when you were like thinking about GCSEs and like when you were around that age had that kind of filtered onto your radar in terms of all storytelling and this could lead to a job and
1: it did yeah definitely in secondary school in primary school I wasn't aware of anything to do with the media industry but secondary school absolutely I actually started off before I went to the Brit school I went to a state-funded school a mixed uh, secondary school in South Croydon and th- it wasn't a specialist kind of media school or performing arts school like the Brit school was mm-hmm. and so I started self-teaching on Windows Movie Maker <laughs> at around like the age of like 15, 16. I used to make these films, I laugh as I'm, se- I'm telling the story because I've said it a couple of times in like interviews and things and it's sometimes cringy to mention, but I feel like it informs my story.
0: Um, so I used to make these no, films- No, You've got
1: to share now. No. Yeah, no, I've said it now, I've got to. But I used to make these films for kind of family members and birthdays, special occasions, that kind of thing. Um, and there's one that really sticks in my mind, which is one for my mum's birthday. So I got a collection of pictures and they were pictures of my mum when she was younger, uh, pictures of us as we were growing older, her and her mother, so my grandmother, I roped in my brother and my grandmother to record video messages, I put this really emotional music in the background, and I gave her this film, and I was like, happy birthday, Mum. And she was like, Jasmine, this is the best present I've ever had. She cried on the first watch of it as well. And I think that, for me, was like a really pivotal moment, because I was like, I've made something, and it's kind of evoked such an emotion from someone, like from a viewer. And I think that was probably a turning point for me. It's like, oh, okay. I've done that. I've edited that. And it's, it's you know, it's had an impact on someone, yeah. which uh, I really love. And then when I was at the Brit School, I was actually first interested in becoming a print journalist. And then I looked into kind of broadcast journalism and kind of being a newsreader on the radio. And then I, I went to uni uh, at Ravensbourne and I did a degree in film.
0: <laughs> yeah so th- th- just let's rewind a little bit so you why did yeah. you decide to go to the brit school Festival? was it because you were thinking about something in the media industry
1: so i love telling this as well so <laughs> that's one time mum picked me up from school and she was like, here you go, Jasmine. Here's an application form to the Brit school. And I was like, I remember this so clearly. I was sat in the back of the car and she handed me the kind of booklet with the application form and, like, all the different strands, we called them, so the different, what would you, what would you say yeah, they are? The Strands, pathways. that makes it. Yeah, pathways. Yeah, and so I was flicking through, and I saw musical theatre, and I was like, no, and I asked theatre, no, music, no, and then I came across the broadcast, at the time it was called Broadcast and Digital Communication, and I thought, oh, this is interesting, and they had like pictures of their facilities, and they had a TV studio on site, and they had the radio suite, and I was like, oh, this looks good. So I applied. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so and
0: had, it, had it not been for your mum knowing what your interests were as well, like putting that opportunity in front of you, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have even remotely Yes, done that exactly that. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But obviously you hadn't quite, you were starting to find what you wanted to do and then Ravensbourne, mm-hmm. was that a natural next step for you to kind of take a university pathway? Was that always on your radar to, you know, think about a degree and educa- continue in your education in that way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kind of in my immediate family, I was the first to go to university. So it was always on my radar that I wanted to explore my options further and look into going to university. And I'd heard a lot about Ravensbourne and I went to the open day and I thought this is the perfect place for me to kind of figure out what I want to do and kind of explore my options. And yeah, I loved my time. So I did a three year degree and I absolutely loved my time there, lectures were amazing, and yeah, my year were great.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's so good to hear, and I I know Ravensbourne well because I used to work there, so I I've got a, a strong affinity with it as well. It's an it's in a fantastic place. And mm. did it did it reaffirm everything that you were thinking about a career in the industry? Was it starting? Was that starting to crystallise in your head that this was like, okay, this is definitely going to be my career now. I am on this path, and bring it on. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think because the film course, so I did the film course and not the editing and post-production course because I didn't know what it is I wanted to do in film and TV or in the media industry. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to explore that. And so I chose that course purposefully. And then for the first two years, what I found is that a lot of people on the course, um, when we were doing kind of the group projects and we had to make a film or whatever it was, everybody wanted to be the director and everybody wanted to be the the director of photography and nobody wanted to be the producer. And as part of the group projects, you needed to have a director, a DP, a producer. And sometimes we would collaborate with the editing and post-production course. So we would get an editor from there. So it was like, okay, I will be the producer for many of the projects because no one else wants to do it. And I was competent at it. And I, you know, I was called on to produce a lot of the projects, but I just knew that it wasn't, I wasn't passionate about it. And then it came to final year and I did a post-production specialism unit. And again, I just, I fell in love. I was like, it's editing. what's was I editing? A trailer and a short documentary. And I just loved it. And that was my final year, just yeah. before I graduated. That's the whole,
0: that is the whole point of university, isn't it? Is that you can test and try and and fail and succeed. And actually, that's the whole point, is that you get to experience so many different areas and work out where there is that click and you suddenly go, oh, this is what I love and I enjoy. So it sounds exactly exactly what it needed to do for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's always a mix of like where your strengths lie and also where your passion lies and kind of marrying those together.
0: Yeah, definitely. So then how did you navigate from a degree into the industry? What did that, that first step look like for you?
1: So interestingly, final year of uni, my family moved out of London. So I moved up after I graduated or after I finished my final major project and before official graduation, because we had a winter graduation and I was kind of in, I'm in the Midlands, I'm based in the Midlands now, and there was nothing here. And I was like, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to work in the industry when the post-production hub especially is central London based, specifically Soho based, what am I going to do? So I started, I was researching. It's like, oh, uh, are there any opportunities, any training, that kind of thing? And I came across the Screen Skills Trainee Finder Scheme and I applied for that. And I got on uh, to the 2018 cohort, I believe, as an edit trainee. And that was on the film Trainee Finder, which is interesting and we can talk about it later because I now work in TV. But I started out on the film Trainee Finder. Mm. And so for that, I've a commute or relocate for jobs because they were they were often London based Mm. so luckily I had kind of like extended family and friends I could stay with and then also it comes later in my life journey but then commuting (laughs) at first I was relocating but yeah
0: yeah And and how long did that trainee course last for then was that a year's course
1: So it lasts a year and then I think I did two placements, two trainee placements as part of that, but it ran to span about six months worth of industry experience. Mm -hmm. So my first gig was Horrible Histories, the movie. Mm -hmm. I was only on that for six weeks, but I learned so much in such a short space of time. And then my second trainee gig was on um, an ITV drama, high-end TV scripted.
0: Nice. Okay. And were you starting to think that this is this is definitely where my career is going to go? I know you you obviously switched to TV, but mm. did it feel as though you were starting to solidify your pathway in terms of going into editing and thinking and building your connections? Did it kind of provide all that groundwork for you?
1: Yes. Absolutely. I, I have like these really fond memories of my very first placement because I was so excited to be like, I'm working on Horrible Histories, the movie, like I used to watch Horrible Histories as a child. Um, and now I'm working on the feature film of it. I was like, This is amazing. This is, you know, people think about working in film and TV as being like so glamorous. I was like, this is so glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> and I was literally just a trainee in the office, like learning with my first assistant editor how to assist. But I just loved it. And the editor, Nigel Williams, he was incredible. Because he would say to me, Jasmine, pop into my office whenever you want and come and watch me edit. Amazing. And, yeah, and it was just like, that's an incredible way to learn because I'm watching the master at work, and I'm getting to learn all of the kind of tips and tricks of how to use Avid. My first trainee gear, Carrie, I didn't know how to use Avid. <laughs> at uni, no, at uni, we had a subscription to uh, Premiere. Yeah. So I came into the industry, and I didn't know the industry standard software, and I, I pretty much learned how to use it as an assistant uh, on that first gig and then carried on learning and learning as I went through. Mm.
0: But how incredible for him to to think about providing you with that opportunity as well because not everybody does do that, but when it does happen, it makes such an impact on you as an individual. And see, as you say, seeing professionals at the top of their game doing what they do best is quite a unique experience. And particularly at that age when you're trying to lay the groundwork of your career and, and understand what where where you could get to
1: yeah exactly that and i also remember nigel uh, so i was kind of informed before taking my first trainee job like what will they expect of me what do i need to do and it's like be ready to make teas and coffees and do lunch runs and i remember saying to nigel oh i can go and do a lunch run for you he was like no jasmine you're not a runner you're a trainee and you're here to learn And also getting out to go and get my own lunch is a great way for me to get a break from the Avid and the screen and take a break from working. So that was really lovely because it was like, I have a place here, I've, you know, people are realizing that my value here is to learn. I'm gonna get a lot of value out of learning and, yeah. and being in that kind of trainee mindset. So mm. there's that a
0: theme been of great. learning here, isn't there? Definitely like absolutely yeah. Yeah, it. absolutely. I love it. So then you finish your traineeship and then what does that next step look like for you in terms of getting your first your first job?
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, my second trainee gig was on
0: well Bill. TV drama. Um, so
1: that's when I stepped into TV. And it happened again by chance, I guess. Because that year, all of the high-end TV edit trainees were taken up on jobs. So screen skills. At the time, I think they were called creative skill set. But they opened it up to us on the film cohort. And then that's how I secured that gig. And then I met a wonderful editor on there called Mike Jones, who is now my mentor on the Screen okay. Skills Programme. Yeah, it's beautiful how it's come full circle. So I was a trainee on Well Built. And then Mike was going on to his next job, which was Liar Series 2. And they needed a second assistant editor, which is the one-up from Trainee. And so Mike put me forward for that. And he took me on to his next job.
0: Incredible. Love that. I love that and it is is about the connections and it is about and mentoring is so important i you know absolutely meant having a mentor can transform your career having that person to bounce ideas off about challenges off or just have guidance and support and someone that's got your back is incredible and it sounds like Mike is is doing that um more but noticing that actually there was an opportunity for you and providing the opportunity you know the opportunity to move on to your first I suppose, official job in the industry. And was it you think that you hoped it would be, Jasmine? Was it?
1: It was. It was. And I'll tell you why, Carrie. Because I had watched Liar Series 1 with my grandmother a few years beforehand. And I could never have imagined that I would then work on Series 2. And then my name was in the credits and I was like, look
0: at that (laughs) it was such a proud moment yeah yeah Yeah, of course it is and of course and for your family as well like as you said earlier you were the first person to go to university it's a big investment we know that Mm -hmm. of time and energy and money and then as you said to then see your name in those credits on that program it must have been a super special moment and you should feel incredibly proud of that and where you got to thank you so much (laughs) so what so your your Jobs are then freelancing, because you are working on programs as as they're getting made. How Mm -hmm. have you navigated that in terms of making sure that you've got work coming in?
1: So when I started out to trainee level, and this was kind of something I considered as well, I was coming out of like a retail job where I had that stable income. I knew what my paycheck was going to be every single month. And then I got onto the Trainee Finder Scheme and I was like, I have to quit my stable job to take this opportunity and not know what's gonna come after that. So what I did is I got a job as a film and TV teaching assistant at a Saturday performing arts school. So that was Pauline Gwerk Academy. And so that was something that could kind of keep me going in between not having a job in the freelance world. Um, And so I I kept that up I think for a couple of years and that was amazing because I was working with young people and I love working with young people. And I was still immersed in the film and TV world, just in a different way, teaching. um, I think PQA covers four four years old up to 18 years old. So that's like, yeah, an amazing age range. And so I did that and it was like a supplemental income. And then as I was just building my network, building my contacts, going from placement to placement and job to job, I, I guess work just started to come in. It started to trickle in and people started to, know that I was on their radar and that I was available and I was working my way up the ranks and that they could hire me so it got it definitely got easier as time went on and it was less about having a supplemental income a secondary income to keep me going but at the start I definitely did need that because I was also yeah terrified of being out of work and not having any money
0: (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely and the thing that strikes me about that is the dedication to the cause that actually you wanted a job in the industry but understanding that as as you said that you need that you need that income as well. I'm working incredibly hard, Jasmine. You're working on a traineeship programme and then obviously taking jobs, but then running a Saturday job as well. That seems so. you were fully committed to making your dreams of a job in the industry come alive and were prepared Absolutely. to work really hard to do that. So. All credit to yeah. you for balancing all of that out because that seems really, you know, like a lot.
1: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I think it I think it helps that I just enjoyed both. I enjoyed doing my training shifts and I enjoyed my Saturday job as well. So that helped me get through it when times were hard. Yeah. Um you know and I was really tired and and things. And a lot of people were like Desmond I don't know how you're doing it. It's like I also don't know but also I do know because I know that it's the passion that's keeping me going.
0: Are you based in TV now? Is that the way that the work, most of your work is coming in, or do you flip between TV and film?
1: Yeah. So I I am mainly TV. Interestingly, my most recent credit is um, editor on episode two of McDonald and Dodds series four. Now that is a ninety minute episode. So interestingly, it's like a, a film almost um, in the sense of kind of the running time. And being that it's my first credit, it's like, well, I could dabble in film and TV. I don't know if we hear of it often or often enough that it's completely transferable in terms of the skills mm. to work in TV and work in film. But I also cut short films, kind of in the independent world, so kind of BFI-funded short films and independent projects. So I do dabble between the two mm. quite a bit, and that's quite nice.
0: Yeah, I think it is, and I think that's happening more and more. I think. Probably 20 30 years ago, there was quite a rigid structure. And you were either in TV or you were in film. But I think that mm-hmm. merger of skills, because they are so transferable, I think is happening more and more. So that doesn't surprise me that you're kind of dabbling in a bit of both. It kind of yeah feels feels probably natural that you're doing that. And mm-hmm. Jasmine, I've not really asked you, but tell tell us what your job actually is. I thought <laughs> <I'm not even laughs> so you. So what 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 are you actually doing on TV programs now?
1: So just as I mentioned, I'm. Fully fledged editor now. Well, least
0: um, editor, fully fledged no, editor now. What's your title? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, I,
1: like I said, I have been cutting short films, so I've kind of always been an editor. Yeah. Maybe fully fledged TV editor now. I've got my first TV editor credit, perhaps. But before my most recent editor credit, I was assembly editor on Boiling Point. The TV series with BBC, and then prior to that, I have just a number of assistant editor credits. So, editor's always been in there in some form. But yeah, now film and TV editor. Yeah, fully flipped
0: (laughs) brackets. That's the title we're going for, Jasmine. (laughs) I love it. Amazing and. Jasmine, you had quite a significant event happen earlier this year when you were recognized as one to watch at the Edinburgh TV Festival. Congratulations. Thank you. That's a really special recognition and very much deserved. How did you feel about being presented in this way? I mean, it
1: was quite surreal because like you said, the ones to Watch programme is so very well known and I was in such esteemed company with my whole cohort are amazing um, and I've made some incredible friends as part of that and um, when we had like our first session up in Edinburgh, it was one of the talks we had was with previous ones to Watchers and they were just talking about how they've made these long-standing and long-lasting friendships with their with their cohort and I can just see that happening with us as well because it's a it's a really special program.
0: How long does it last for?
1: So this is a great question I know that we run mentoring for a year so I've got a mentor recently who have been matched and then I have two mentees from the network and I believe that runs for a year officially mm-hmm. and then of course if we kind of you know decide that we want to maintain our our kind of connection and our rapport and relationship that we build then that can just go on for as long as we'd like I'm um, sure it
0: will as well I'm sure it will I've
1: always work. found that with mentoring when I've had kind of mentees in the past and when I've had mentors in the past and it just you know you build that relationship and then you just find that you stay in contact and it's always like even if you don't meet up as regularly as you did as part of the official program you're still doing check-ins hey how are you how's it been let me know what you've been up to and I yeah I love that
0: yeah well and and it's really important as I think we said earlier just having those connections that you can have a whatsapp with going oh I've had a terrible day I've had a most amazing day whatever it happens to be I think having that community that you can talk to is really critical and so yeah well congratulations you're right it's a very prestigious program and and putting a spotlight and brilliant talent so I can't wait to see the how you progress through your career and after that after that finishes later next year thank um, you so Jasmine we're, we're coming to the end of the podcast but before we go I've got a few other questions for you I'd love mm-hmm. to know what you love about the industry now you obviously went to the Brit School and to Ravensbourne you had this pathway into the sector but what are you loving about it now that you're kind of fully fledged and and in it?
1: I think the main thing for me is I love meeting and working with new people. And I think the best thing about what's happening in the industry right now, and I guess it's informed from my work with what I do with the Black Women in Post-Production Network, is how it's changing Mm. and how much it's changed since I first started out. So I'm loving the fact that now there's a real push for diversity and that off the back of the last podcast episode, to be a podcast, it was a panel discussion with the all black female assistant editing team from Netflix drama Everything Now. And that was myself and then two friends and colleagues of mine, um, my co-first assistant and a second assistant editor. And we were just talking about how we kind of built our own little community within that whilst we working on that job and what that meant for us. Cause we had never worked seen a similar dynamic before. And it was just incredibly special. Just really excited to see more of that going forward.
0: Yeah, here, here. I couldn't agree with you more. And and all credit to you for setting up the Black women in post-production community as well. I think it's very much needed and we still need more representation, that is for sure, and seeing more diversity in the industry. But you're absolutely right. we Good steps are being taken, that is for sure. And the conversation has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. But I think the community and network that you're building through Black women in post-production is going to make a huge difference as well. So again, I can't wait to see that community grow and to see how you know what a force of for good that that's going to create within the industry so um tell us if anybody's interested how do they get involved with black women in post-production what, what do they need to do
1: yeah so follow us on instagram it's at bwip network that's where we post most of our stuff in fact we're, we're dropping the photos from our very first networking event that happened in soho on tuesday nights a couple of nights ago so yeah follow us on instagram also our website is bwip Dot co.uk, so it's two P's on the end. And then if you want
0: to reach out to us, it's hello at Bewip.co.uk.
1: Those are our free links. Yeah.
0: yeah, perfect. Thank you. And I'll make sure I share them on the show notes as well for the podcast. Thank I think you. it's, as I said, it's such an important initiative and I'm I'm really excited about the potential of that and as I said, changing the diversity of the industry. So too. Well, Yeah, we yeah, are yeah, very good. So uh, I just in in wrapping up, Jasmine, what advice would you give to anyone looking to get a job in the industry? whether they're a young person or somebody that's looking to get into the industry who are a bit older, how do they start to navigate a path and particularly into an editing role mm. like, like, that, like you're in?
1: So one thing I always say, and we've obviously mentioned it before, is about getting a mentor, finding someone and it doesn't have to be in an official capacity it doesn't have to be on a mentoring program or some sort of scheme it's just find someone that's maybe three or five years ahead of you that's doing what you want to do and reach out to them and it could just be a virtual chat it could be a zoom it could be like, let's meet for a coffee in soho wherever and just ask them for for advice. I get quite a few like messages and emails and DMs and things asking me for advice and I'm always happy to share my career journey, to offer advice and you know, help in any way I can. So I feel like yeah, if you kind of put yourself out there, put yourself out on people's radars, then yeah. You get you some of it. Yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: and I think and I think that's right. I think we assume that it's it's not polite to message people or to ask for help when actually in my experience 99% of the time, everybody is more than willing to give up, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour of their time to have a chat with you or to support you or to guide you or to introduce you to someone. And the 1% that percent can't are just so busy that they, they just can't manage it at the time, but they'll probably put, put, put you onto somebody else that can have a conversation with you. So uh, I think we always fear, it's a bit of fear, isn't it? And particularly if you're new to the industry or you don't know the industry very well, I can feel, I'm sure like there's too many barriers in the way, but absolutely I think, you know, we've got platforms now that like LinkedIn that can break down these barriers in terms of communication, so.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then the other thing I'd say is network, Um, because we know that the industries run through networks but don't always think of it as like the most daunting thing I know it's a strange concept to have a room full of strangers and you go and introduce yourself hi I'm so and so and this is what I do and also please hire me I'm available <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, it's important to kind of realize that networking doesn't always have to be networking drinks in Soho there are other ways like we've mentioned to reach out to people to utilize and leverage social media Twitter's really good for or x as we now call it it's really good for the post-production community because there's a hashtag that they use called post chat and lots of editors and assistant editors and and post-production professionals use that.
0: So it's kind of finding those ways to
1: network as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really really good top tip. And how are you managing commuting now? For anybody that might be in the regions across the country, you're obviously based in the Midlands now, but you're doing it, right? You've got a career in the industry. I think, again, there's that fear that it's just from an editing perspective is just in Soho and nowhere else, but actually you're managing a career and living remote in other parts of the country. So, so people shouldn't worry about that too much. Should they now? No, no, exactly. I think post COVID,
1: there's been a real support for and a willingness to accommodate that hybrid remote work setup. So for example, on Boiling Point, the whole team were entirely remote from my whole time assembling on that. I was remote. I was literally (laughs) sat here in this office and on everything now I had a mix of going into the office a couple of days a week and also being at home as an assistant editor but because we had two first assistants we could split days in the office so there's lots of workarounds that you can do to make it work and it really does help with work-life balance as well so and of course there's more opportunities now outside of London Birmingham, Manchester exactly yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: Bristol as well
0: yeah, Bristol. yeah, that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There are those other hubs, aren't there? And, and I think it's really important to make sure that people understand that there are as well, and that London isn't the centre of the whole industry now. And and Jasmine, before we go, I just wanted to ask you one more question. Software. You said to me that earlier that you didn't you didn't know Avid when you started. If again, people are looking at this role, what what software should they be looking at now, just so they can get up to speed? So when they do start to have conversations, they can say, actually, I know Avid, or I know. Hmm. A different software. What 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 are your top tips for kind of getting started in that in that way in a really practical sense?
1: Avid is still the industry software. It's the industry standard. So learning that, and even if it's a case of
0: looking up YouTube
1: tutorials, downloading the free trial or the free version of Avid, which I think is called Avid Media Composer First, and just getting to grips with the interface. And the shortcuts and the buttons there are some books as well i don't know how many people turn to books these days they're more likely to go to kind of video tutorials but there are books on like avid 101 and things like that i'm pretty sure i have a couple abby done cut on my bookshelf here there is a really great course actually which i did a couple of years ago thanks to edit girls insta <laughs> let me get the name for, for you it's feature film assistant editor immersion and it's run by master the workflow perfect and that's amazing okay. that helps it's not so much learning avid software but you do learn using avid to do the role of an assistant
0: yeah perfect perfect. Yeah. and i think this is it sometimes that people don't know where to go so having all of this information is super helpful um mm-hmm. look jasmine thank you so much for joining us today is i've been a real joy speaking to you and hearing about your steps into the industry and your career so far Good luck with everything that you do next. I can't wait to see where you go and to continue to see your name on all of those amazing credits. And yeah, and take care. And I will speak to you soon. Thank you so much.